Before we dive into this podcast, we want to introduce you to our sponsor, TylerMade. Established in 2008, TylerMade is a family-owned and run business built on traditional values of trust, honesty, and integrity. When you visit TylerMade's showroom, you'll experience firsthand their commitment to these values through their honest pricing with no hidden fees and service with a genuine smile. Each tile specialist is knowledgeable in all areas, from features and benefits to measuring and layout, ensuring you receive the best advice and service possible. TileMade's vision is to become one of the largest and most successful tile manufacturers of high-end quality products with a stylish and exclusive range of products distributed worldwide to both wholesale and retail markets. Their mission is to manufacture high-quality tiles and surpass expectations by offering competitive prices to an ongoing commitment to customer satisfaction and dedication to continuous improvement. We're proud to have TileMade as our sponsor and invite you to visit their showroom in Cooparoo or check out their products online at tilermade.com.au. Hello and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. I'm Joe Fitz. The buzz from Magic Round has worn off along with the hangover and most of us are trying not to take Nico Hines' captain score personally. Here with me tonight is a man who got shouted more drinks on the weekend than there are blood diamonds on King Charles' crown. It's Wilf. Uh, I, honestly, I had no idea where you were going with it once you dropped blood diamonds. But You should have seen an earlier draft, mate. It was worse, but there you go. <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I am alive. I, I survived Magic Round or Dad's Ghoulies. And look, it was great. Uh, honestly, it, it is the best weekend of the rugby league calendar, possibly of the whole year. And yeah, look, if you've never been, make it a priority. It, it's almost, it's approaching bucket list areas, honestly. It is. It's an amazing weekend. Um, perfect kind of weekend of footy perfect social atmosphere with followers of all 16 teams just meddling around and having fun my problem was it, i had too many different groups of mates that had kind of flown in from different places so i almost needed a bloody scheduler uh trying to bounce around just to make sure i saw everyone but um apart from that mate plenty of beers plenty of fun and a wee bit dusty the last couple of days though let's be fair mr popular over here look i'll be <laughs> honest i surprised myself i yeah, I, I lost count of the beers quite early on the Saturday. I was quite tame on the Friday, knowing the Saturday wasn't going to be big. But I, no, no word of a lie, I woke up on Sunday, no hangover, and I was blown away. I was like, "There's this is this is uncharted territory." <laughs> Maybe you drank so much, you like came all the way around. I don't know uh, because it's the only solution I could think of. The other thing I, it might have been where I, I somehow I think I fell asleep not in bed, and then I woke up and I drank water at probably four in the morning or something like that. So that might have been it. Responsible alcohol consumption mixed with uh, keeping up the fluids. But enough (laughs) about our middle age. Um, Mate, how'd you go on the weekend uh, score-wise? Pretty good. I've uh, had a good little run after I just tanked. So 1288, it's got me into the 1300s now. Slowly but surely catching up to you guys, you and Guy, literally, uh, up the top. Uh, although the two of you had a bit of a rough patch last two weeks, uh, you've dropped a little bit, haven't you? Yeah, a couple of hundred or a few hundred spots. Eleven forty-two, very disappointing. Rank five forty-three now, so first time out of the top five hundred. I'm pretty sure all year or close enough to. Um, yeah, just yeah, a couple of things. I, I knew trading Tyrell Sloan in was a mistake. 
But what was worse was actually deciding to double down and play him both weeks uh, since I've traded him in. So a couple of little things like that that I really need to correct, um, you know, coming into the buy rounds. Mate, Guy, as you mentioned, having an absolutely cracking year, but like me, a bit of a down week, 11-10. He's down with me at 5.32. Timmy, who was, you know, the best kind of menace over Magic Round, uh, 13.84, massive week. So up in and around the top 1,000. And... And Matty's still struggling around the 5K. Not that he's that far away. He's only a couple of hundred points uh, from our areas. He's just very consistently just floating up and down. I feel like he's like been 4,000 to 6,000 to 5,000, just yeah, floating there and about. It's very similar to my year last year where I just could not get out of that little 1,000 to 2,000 range for like over half the season. So I'm sure soon enough Matty will crack the sneaky pod he needs to get himself out there. Yeah, and mate, doing way better than us is someone we're going to respect his privacy, uh, but he is in a super coach champ. Uh, you want to tell us who's leading the whole comp? Yeah, Team X still there. It's been, I think, a good five, six weeks now. Uh, it is getting a little bit shaky, though. I think he had similar issues with yourself. Uh, with I think he started with Sloan or got him quite early, but I, I feel like he's played Sloan the last couple of weeks and has paid the price, unfortunately. He, I think he had dragged out to like almost 200 point lead, but it's cut down to double digits again. But look, early, early, early days yet. And there's so much of the season to go. So it's definitely not panic stations at all. Just a quick shout out to the Podmasters Cup. So the overall league that won last year, we were the top ranked league at the end of uh, the 2022 season, came right down to the wire. But uh, yes, a bit of a slow start for the Podmasters, but they've slowly climbed and climbed up to 23rd overall. So could be positioning ourselves again for another run to, to, towards the top. But look, enough of that. Let's jump into the news for the week. All right, so Supercoach dual positions. Uh, I think, it's, I mean, it's round 11. These are scheduled to come in at lockout. So start around 12. So it'll kick in as of next week. Right now, there's only a couple of locked in changes. So first one, not overly relevant. Jaden Ockenball, center wing only is going to be uh, bumped to second row forward. Obviously had played one game on the wing, but also is mostly coming in as a bench forward for your doggies. Josh Alloway gets uh, a back row added to the front row forward, given he's been named at lock. Same deal for Matt Croker. Similar situation, named at lock and, uh, yeah, has previously been playing more of a, as a prop basically off the bench. Mitch Kenny, as we knew from early on, he's been playing hooker but also, you know, into the middle forward once Sonny Luke comes on. So he gets that dual position there. And also Jai Arrow, who's been playing sneakily good minutes off the bench but coming on as a front row forward as opposed to uh, an edge back role, which was his main role last year. Now, this article I'm reading off uh, did mention, I mean, this is from last week. So I think since then, I'd probably add Joey Manu into that list of guys who should have dual position. He's center wing only at the moment, but the article did say if he got to start once more at 5'8", he was going to get that positional upgrade there. So given, uh, despite all the Willie weren't he uh, dancing around last round uh, with Sam Walker flying to Brisbane and all that just to uh, not play any games at all, uh, good luck getting back in the first grade without any sort of game time. Yeah. Good one, Trent Robinson. But yeah, Joey Mano, 5'8 again. So you'd think he's going to get that addition there. Same deal for Kiri. He was 5'8 only and played last three games at halfback. So 
Again, you'd assume he's going to be there too. And there was also Tyron Peachy, uh, who's second row forward only, but as expected, you know, playing center gets another game and he should be getting the uh, upgrade there. A couple of other guys. I mean, Matty Burton, probably a little bit more relevant. 5'8 only, but will most likely get halfback upgrade there. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. I mean, there's a lot of people there, and but I don't think we should get too sucked into the positional changes having too much super coach impact. Even Joey Manu getting the the dual five eight center. I mean, are you dropping Cameron Munster for him to play him at five eight, or are you playing him at center wing if you've got him? You know, like if you're playing Joey Manu at five eight, something's gone wrong. Um, yeah, I mean that's a fair point. I, I guess the. Anytime you do have that added flexibility, it can be handy, even if it's just for a one or two week thing. Like, I guess, you know, I'm thinking about this going, well, let's say I want to potentially downgrade Cody Walker once he's covered, you know, that nice little run, doesn't play around 16 or whatever. So what if I just go Cody Walker down to Joey Manu, right, for at 5.8th and then I can switch down to, you know, I can trade out a center wing and get Cam Munster post-origin or something like that. So yeah. there are some useful potential options there but yeah I'm not getting too excited by it but I think it's it's worth noting because it can open up some trade opportunities obviously but yeah uh, we'll find out officially at the start of next round now the only other thing I wanted to talk through news wise and this I guess this is not really official or anything confirmed but uh, shout out to friend of the podcast Neil Neil's pointed out that there's been potentially a change to how line breaks are interpreted, basically depending on where the players are on the field. So two things. I mean, this is one really going to be quite annoying uh, because it's more gray, (laughs) more gray areas, potentially more lack of consistency. But I think what we saw this round was there are a number of potential line breaks that used to be paid from wingers who may have broken the line within the attacking 20, but not actually scored, right? Sometimes they didn't score because they dropped the ball. Sometimes they didn't score because they were tackled at the one meter line. But, you know, if that had happened anywhere else on the field, it's most likely paid as a line break. So uh, I think for a couple of examples, there was one play where Alex Johnston uh, got into the clear uh, towards, you know, he was already within like the 20, 30 meter zone and, you know, ran around and it was a cover defense that tackled him a meter out. Next play, this is where Latrell uh, grubbers off his right foot for Cody Walker to score. So opening five minutes, that wasn't paid as a line break, despite it looked quite clearly uh, would have been one elsewhere. Uh, compared to, for example, you know, Ruben Garrick's phantom line breaks that he got, you know, three of them, right? Further down the field. I mean, not necessarily phantom. I mean, he did get into space, <laughs> but, got, but got run down by the wing. I mean, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. And look, I'm very much not the the kind of person to get the pitchforks and, you know, the lynch mob, you know, at Vapor or, you know, or Fox Sports stats around this kind of stuff. But, I mean, when you're talking line breaks, I mean, 10-point swings are pretty large when you're trying to get your outside back sorted, um, you know, through origin and through the season. So I would like to get some kind of clarification around that. I mean, is that just one scorer uh, in Fox Sports stats just not kind of, you know, playing his interpretation is a bit harsher on a, on a line break uh, or not? Um, certainly would like, you know, some kind of clarity on that because um, those examples that you give in were 100% line breaks back in the day. 
Yeah, and there was another example when Taruva had kind of similar to AJ got around. It was within the attacking twenty, no line break paid. So, look, it, it was a couple of different games throughout the weekend. So yeah, again, credit to Neil for spotting that. I think it was really interesting, and, and I went and watched it back, and he's absolutely spot on. So yeah, quite concerning uh, potentially. But look, I thought I'd talk about it. It might be something for us uh, hardcore nerds to keep an eye out for because it's annoying because if it's a mid-game, like mid-season change in interpretation, it's going to be very frustrating. So again, it might just be a, a, an adjustment to our thinking or, or whatever. But yeah, all right, let's move on to the injuries. What's the matter? Haven't you ever seen a football injury before, you wimps? Let's go. All right. Thankfully, uh, just because it's magic round, uh, magically not as many injuries despite Suncorp looking like a bit of a, well, let's just say the field wasn't very pretty. Yeah, it looked like the moon, quite frankly. <laughs> um, yeah, surprisingly few NRL physio commenting on that as well uh, about the potential benefits of a springy surface. Um, not quite as springy or maybe more springy than uh, headgear padding, I guess. There was one uh, injury where Ed Cossey, he went in for a massive hit on Stephen Crichton, came off definitely worse for wear. He's the one who's missing time now. <laughs> He's managed to hurt his knee going in for that shot. Uh, a couple of concussions, unfortunately. So Jackson Ford, when he got sin-binned, turns out he also went off for a HIA due to delayed <laughs> symptoms. And he's it appears he failed that HIA. Now he's obviously out. Code Capewell also uh, suffered a... Well, he went off for a HIA. It turns out he had actually passed his HIA and he exhibited Category 2 symptoms. So that's why he's been named and is available to play this week. Ewan Aiken hurt his hammy. Obviously, that was something that uh, you know a lot of super coaches were interested in given Valence Tafare's masterclass of a debut. In attack. Uh, in attack, clear. yes. I mean, he, I think he did let in a try for every two he scored himself. He did, he did get Talakai a couple of times. That's right. Now, uh, obviously, yeah, we'll c- probably come to him a little bit later, but worth noting, obviously, Brenko was injured, hence he got his spot. And then now Ewan Atkins uh, dealing with a hamstring issue. So could be something to monitor for the upcoming couple of weeks there. For the Storm and the Raptors, Big Nelson, he did definitely look like he suffered a rib injury. Now, whether that's going to actually cause him to miss time or not, that's a big question mark. But I think we've seen for supercoach purposes, often rib injuries can Im- impact the output. Uh, no clearer example than I think uh, Joey Tarpane was one who definitely uh, had to deal with a rib injury for a while. And then as soon as he was over it, his output just skyrocketed. So, yeah, one to note for those interested in Big Nelson. And uh, John Bateman was a pregame withdrawal from a hamstring tightness. Apparently he... Felt it tight at the captain's round, and then in the pregame warm-up, he, yeah, they they decided to hold him back just to avoid any potential serious injury. It seems that it was a wise decision. He's been named and is expected to play at the stage, so something to note. Tyrell Sloan, I know you've kind of piled on a little bit, so shout out to, and again, NRL Physio and the Magic Spun Podcasts. They did talk about this a bit because they noticed a couple of games ago where Tyrell Sloan. Went down really late in the game. Looked was like he hurt his was AC it a heart joint. injury. Was it a heart looked like he's hurt his shoulder. <laughs> and they noticed this round that there was significant uh, joint padding around his AC joint. So 
it may impact his comfort levels, his ability to take contact. His courage, his work rate. Possibly. Doesn't really, well, this is the thing, like it doesn't really impact his uh, footy IQ, but sometimes it, it, he, he showcased his lack of it potentially yeah. at play before halftime. That was Abs- cracker. <laughs> a cracker. Was- uh, it, was, it, was, it was enjoyable to watch. Anyway, for, for non-Dragons fans. A couple of concussions. Uh, Egan Butcher obviously failed that HIA uh, quite early in the game, so he's missed this week as well. Mitch Moses is probably the biggest talking point there. And uh, so obviously not named to play and he's now officially failed his concussion and exhibited Category 1 symptoms in, along the way. So, yeah. Uh, last little bit, Joe Stimson did hurt his shoulder or neck, but, yeah, again, it's Joe Stimson, right? Let's move on. Yeah. Not much in the judiciary side of things. Uh, no, no players missing time this weekend, uh, including uh, Jackson Ford, who would have been okay to play, but he's obviously missing because of the concussion. Yeah, more fines for the NRL to cash in on, basically. Pretty much. So, yeah, look, um, I wonder if uh, Ford, if he knew he was going to miss with the concussion, whether there was some kind of advantage to be gained by him. I mean, I guess you enter the early guilty plea or you plead guilty. It doesn't really matter from the points, does it? So, um, yeah, no system to be gained or no way to gain the system there. But, look, let's get on the teams. Steven, I like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut you. Congratulations. The rest of you made the team. Except you, you and you. So I don't know what the record is. I don't know who tracks these things, but it'd have to be close to an NRL record for Teamless Tuesday coming out and almost every team being named 1-17. to We'll go through them, but it might be interesting just to call out rather than the team changes because there are so few. Um, anyone that's on your radar coming up for the bye weeks or, or might be a bye in the next couple of weeks, starting with Storm Broncos down at Amy Park. You know, Storm obviously outgunned uh, by the Rabbitohs last weekend, but this is never not a marquee game uh, to kick off the week, interestingly, on a Thursday night. Storm are obviously 1-17, to Kamakamika is on the extended bench, Broncos 1-17 to as well with Corey Oates a week away. Anyone jumping out at you, mate, given the Storm don't play 13 and you know, most of the super coach relevant players people already own in the Broncos? Yeah, look, I think this is a, a tough one. Obviously, the Broncos are, are flying high, still on the top of the table, but the Storm are well and truly their bogey team. Like, I think they have not beaten the Storm since 2016, and they were still good back then. So I know they've had some lean years more recently, but even when the Broncos were a top four team, they couldn't handle the Storm and would be losing by 40 or something like that. So I'm, let's just say I have severe PTSD when it comes to playing the Storm and I have very low expectations of the Broncos potentially winning this week uh, or even putting up a fight. (laughs) So honestly, I'm actually quite keen on Storm players if you really wanted a bit of a, you know, two, three-week pod, uh, like someone like, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but Nick Meany. Hey, um, I mean, look, Nick Meany's been phenomenal this year. He's averaging 76. He Obviously, uh, not his game or not the Storm's game with only a 44 on the weekend, but 778 with a break-even of 78. Uh, he does have the dual fullback center wing positioning there, so you're most likely going to put him in the center wing. Um, in averaging center 76, I don't think there's too many better at the position this year. 
No, and I, I guess maybe, look, he's no Ryan Pappenhausen, and I think that's where a lot of the damage has been done by the Storm fullback. So whether that translates to Meany cashing in, like I don't think Meany's going to score four tries in 11 minutes or whatever that Pappenhausen did, but you can probably bank on at least one or two and maybe, you know, a tries line break assist there. That's that's <laughs> I feel so like uh, depressed about it, but I genuinely can see it. I mean, Meany does have 124 against the Broncos as well. So, yeah. <laughs> third most owned, uh, sorry, third highest average amongst um, regular center wings, Campbell Graham, then Marshu, then Nick Meany, all kind of clumped together. Um, so, yeah, definitely one of the premium options, but at 778, you're paying for it. Now, Reese Walsh, right? I know a lot of people have been talking about selling him for the last one, two, even three weeks. If you had held and, you know, well done for resisting the temptation to offload with the high break even, but we could feel the game was coming, right, that he was going to go close to triple figures or even crack triple figures against the Seagulls. So do you jump off now? Like he's lost, you know, a lot of his peak value, but he's still, you know, made 110 or 120 grand from what he was at the start of the season. It's more about... Who do you who are you bringing in? You know, you're not bringing Turbo in again. Some people uh, took a flyer on Teddy last week, and it hasn't really worked out. Latrell's obviously, you know, stratospherically expensive at nine twenty five k, and and a lot of people already have him. Um, I would say it's worth going to Latrell, but otherwise, you know, a break even of eighty nine. It's it's he does have that thirty odd game in him. He's the rocks and diamonds kind of player. I don't know if you've held him this long, though. Um, it might be, you know, holding him in the hope that he doesn't get selected for Origin, so you've got a premium in that round thirteen. The only thing I'd throw in there, and look, I think I agree with that, uh, is that if you did have, say, Trell and Walsh or some combination of that, that means you don't have Dream Buller, and that might be potentially the play. Right, two weeks, Buller's got a neg thirty-two break-even, sitting at two hundred eighty-two. Uh, just under 283k so he's gone up a fair whack already but there's still more cash rises to come so i guess that would be the only kind of uh, cash out option you'd really look at rather than trying to you know downgrade to a teddy or something like that given it's two weeks before origin so but ball is the most obvious downgrade even though he's already gone up the 80k it, it does suck that the tigers don't play 13 but he's got another 100k plus in him so yeah definitely worth looking at yeah I think otherwise, look, you know, Payne Haas is any other real consideration here. For those who don't have him, I think you're probably quite happy just to sit tight and go without for the time being. For those who do have him, coming off a bit of a disappointing score by Payne standards. I mean, he's still fantastic for the NRL purposes, but yeah, for a super coach, it's been his worst score for quite some time. Is this, you know, do you hit the eject button or do you just hold him till 13 and then move him on? Break even of 104. So, you know, he's going to drop, you know, 20 to 40K uh, this week. Although, you know, it's hard to think that he won't play max minutes um, against the Storm. Look, sneakily, there's starting to be a few alternate options in the front row, given how bad this, the position was to start the year. Adam Fanua Blake has been killing it in the last month or so. Tohu's back from injury. Corey Halsburg is 
still playing those big, big minutes. I think it's four weeks consecutive now and probably Tarpane is not a buy necessarily, but, you know, it's not like he's doing awfully. So a little bit more depth in the front row, which means there's, you know, the potential that, you know, you won't lose much by downgrading Haas to someone who plays the round 13 buy. Just it feels wild to me that you could go Haas down to Tarpane and free up over 100K and then, you know, assumedly get more points for the next three weeks compared to the two weeks for Haas in the next two rounds. So, yeah, I guess that's the only consideration I'll throw out there. But honestly, if that's one of your top two biggest issues in your team, good luck to you because you're doing better than me, way better than me. I've got a lot more issues than Payne Haas in the team. So obviously (laughs) it's an option, but yeah, uh, I can probably think of more constructive ways to free up 100 grand than than going from Haas to Tarpanay this week necessarily. Uh, Bulldogs Warriors play Friday at Accor Stadium. Great news for the doggies, starting to get some troops back with Josh Adokar on the wing. Um, otherwise, it's just a change on the interchange with Edwards in and Hughes out. Uh, current on the edge with Ford out, as you mentioned, Rocco Berry in centre, and Volkman is at six. Uh, I think it's only good news for the Warriors that Dylan uh, Walker is out and give the young gun a go at 5-8. Yeah, look, I mean, it's hard because Dylan Walker can play well and he's had flashes but I think that's the main thing with him he's just not very consistent when he's in the spine position he seems fair you know a fair bit more suited to playing that uh, middle forward impact role between him and Tavanga early in the season obviously no Tavanga at the moment but those two were really quite impactful off the bench together so yeah I think this is good for, for the Warriors overall and and it's hard to read because the Warriors are like, they're, they're slipping down the table, but I still think in terms of their form, like they've just had such a brutal draw. Like they genuinely feel like a top eight team when you look at how they're going. Oh, look, and if the refs weren't cheats, mate, uh, Warriors <laughs> would be absolutely killing it. Uh, be interested to see how the uh, the penalty count goes this weekend after let's, some... Let, let's, let's call it for what it is. It's just subconscious bias, okay? It's no no... We're not questioning the integrity of the, the refs, remember? Oh, of course not, mate. Uh, I encourage everyone to Google confirmation bias and, uh, uh, you know, examine their own biases when they're talking about refs that hate uh, their particular team. Uh, <laughs> Panthers, Roosters at Bluebet. Panthers 1-17. to Liam Martin still floating around on the extended bench. Um, I mean, who knows? He's a week away. He's three weeks away. Um, who knows at this point? Uh, Gus gets an edge for the Roosters uh, with Baker coming on to the interchange. Given how few mid, uh, edge players New South Wales have, though, I mean, you're not getting Gus in the, through the uh, through the origin period because he's probably going to play in blue, isn't he, mate? I honestly don't know. Like, with what he has, you know, obviously dealt with very publicly, I just honestly don't know where his mental health's at. Like he might be fine to play first grade, but you know, origin's a whole new level, right? So yeah. whether or not Freddie reckons he's up, up for that, I mean, is he only starting this re- this week because Egan's out? Like, what if even Trent thinks he's better off coming off the bench? Like, I think we could all safely say Angus has been okay, but he's not the Angus Crichton that we've seen, you know, at his peak the last couple of years. So he's still coming back into his top form. I mean, Supercoach-wise, he scored well because he was on the field a lot and it was that kind of grinding type game where a lot of the traffic was just going up and down the middle and he was there making those tackles and obviously got a bit of junk at the end. But 
yeah, like I, I definitely don't think I'm I'm going out going, yeah, Angus Crichton looks fantastic. I've got to jump on anytime soon. So more more of a pedigree call to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, agree with that. And I just don't think he's, you know, nailed on to the blue side because of what happened at the start of the year. So yeah, I honestly don't need, don't know the answer to that, but I'm just not sure what what the Roosters do, right? Are they going to just keep persevering with this attack that barely fired a shot against the Cowboys, right? Yeah, I mean, someone like Sam Walker would be a, a good player to maybe slot back in to give him a bit of direction, but but what do I know? Um, it's yeah, it's interesting that Robinson really needs to sort out what's happening there because it's not clicking. Um, from a Panthers perspective, mate, though, I mean, obviously Cleary uh, bounced back in a big way and the, the Cleary to Moses traders are surely regretting that. For me, though, uh, as with 32% of super coaches, we've got Taruba still. I mean, he's kind of low to high 40s, you know, depending. It, it, you would think that if he was going to have that breakout to try you know, tunned up kind of game, it would have happened by now. Do, do you think it's ever going to happen? Do, do we need to stop hoping that he's going to uh, score some points for Penrith and, and get rid? It's tough, isn't it? Because I feel like we had that conversation with Brian Tottenham, right? Because he was just getting zero quality ball from his centre. He was counting on either kicks or, you know, long breaks from his end of the field or yeah, cut out balls from Dylan Edwards or Nathan Cleary. So... It's similar, like, you know, Tungo was refusing to pass it, now Peachy's refusing to pass it, just doesn't get there. And obviously their left edge is, you know, you don't have Kikau creating and, you know, throwing cutouts to to the left winger either. When That's when Taylor May cashed in last year. So, I mean, I gave up. I traded him to Buller last week. So <laughs> that's probably where I stand on that one. I can yeah. understand. Like, if, if, if Taruva is your worst issue, like, he's still pumping out 40-plus in base and base attack a lot of weeks. So he's not going to really flop too much. But, yeah, it's frustrating because obviously you want him to make some cash, make more cash, I mean. True, true. Rabbitohs Tigers on Saturday. Rabbitohs are 1-17. to 17. The only change for the Tigers is Bateman coming back on that edge and Kapoa uh, to the interchange. Um, Rabbitohs, I mean, they're probably the best team in the comp at the moment on form. Um, people who've got on Cody like yourself, mate, well done. Um, he's all the way up to 800K now. Um, and break even of 87, you know, maybe it's not too late. Latrell, 925. Um, they're obviously a bit of a subpar game for him with only 55. But I don't know. I mean, I've been looking at Campbell Graham for so long now, but it just seems that it's firming that he'll be uh, playing Origin given Turbo, at least given Turbo's struggles and, and maybe he's there on form. I mean, if Freddie doesn't pick him, we'll be cheering as Queensland fans, obviously. Absolutely. But yeah, on form, uh, I mean, how do you not go with possibly the form centre slash even winger in the comp at the moment? The guy is just absolutely on fire. So, yeah, I mean, we'll be cheering if he doesn't get picked. But I don't think for Supercoach you could risk that. Like, you're paying so much money for someone who might not be there. Like, if you jumped on a couple of weeks back and got, you know, a couple of weeks more of this premium kind of output from Campbell Graham than great, but it's too late now. I think you've just got to let him go for the time being and maybe look at him later. But look, Alex Johnson's probably the name that plenty of uh, looking at. He's definitely, uh, you know, in my trade plans potentially. Uh, is he someone that's on your radar as well? Or Yeah, I mean, you can go Val Holmes to, to Johnson and, and bank, 
you know, 60K, uh, which is, you know, pretty good given their output uh, in the, probably the last month has been so similar. And obviously Alex Johnson, he's has lifted his base in recent years. He was famous for being able to kind of give a single digit score without attacking stats back in the day. But, you know, he's, he's got a little more uh, running in him now and, and with Cody in the form that he is, that left side starting to hum. So, yeah, you do get the sense that a breakout for AJ might be just around the corner. But, yeah, I mean, I guess with the Tigers this week, it doesn't get any better for a matchup. 589K, break even the 76, this is probably the week. It's interesting, though, because on Twitter, I was reading their tweet, they raised the point that only one player has actually gone 100-plus against the Tigers this year, despite the Tigers not, obviously, travelling very well. And, I mean, I dug into it a little bit more. The Tigers had really only conceded more than 30 points to one team, and that was the Broncos in round five. Every other team has been, you know, they've only scored, let's say, five tries at most against them. I mean, that still sounds like a lot. But, yeah, relatively speaking, the Tigers aren't, like, getting blown off the park most weeks. So that could easily change, obviously. As you pointed out, there is probably no hotter team right now than the Rabbitohs. So <laughs> I would not be surprised if they do put up a score on the Tigers. But, yeah, I just wanted to give the Tigers a little bit of credit. They haven't been conceding points left, right, yeah, and Yeah, that's not unfair. It, it does have the emotional feel with them, though, that they've played two grand finals in a row, you know, yeah. to, to win back-to-back. And, again, you know, obviously the Penrith win was huge and then the Dragons maybe not as huge, but two, in, two wins in a row is respectable. I, I feel that there's some regression to the mean coming from them and the emotional high won't or desperation won't necessarily be there yeah look i definitely agree like their resistance will probably crumble this week against uh, again the rabbitos are a legitimate premiership threat based on what we're seeing this at this day of the season anyway so having said that look cam murray has been pretty disappointing of, of late it's been a while since he's had an attacking stat and uh, i think he went 80 and 80 a couple of weeks back and then he's just been, you know, sub 50 for a while now. So with the Tigers now and then next week, they also, uh, the, the Bunnies also get to take on the Eels who, I mean, they've just been leaking points left, right and centre, even though they're able to score points too. Do you see this is time to jump off Cam Murray or do you just stick, stick until, stick fat until round 13? I would have jumped off weeks ago. Honestly, there's there's just too many super coach relevant second rowers that play round 13 floating around. Murray is locked into the blue side, assuming fitness, and if he's not fit, he's not in your team anyway. So, yeah, I I just think that if, if you've somehow slugged it out, you, you've just got to admit defeat. 40 on the weekend, passing before the line. Uh, he's almost like Isaiah Yo before... Yo started to mix his game up a bit. He's, he's just doing way too much of the passing before the line and obviously they get any super coach points for that. So I would 100% move him on. Do you think because he's 567K, like he's lost so much of his value, do you think you just stick it out and hope for some attacking stats these next two weeks? I mean, he's given 30 points up per game to, to equivalents that you could get in. And yes, that might cost you kind of 50-ish K, uh, you know, to go up to some of the premiums that we're talking about. But also you've got the likes of Tohu Harris at 582 uh, that has dual, is playing around 13 um, that you could move to as well. Corey Horsburgh's only 591 and has been on an absolute tear. So, 
it's not like you have to spend that much to go to you know some some of these options that do play around 13 and are just punching out far higher scores week on week yep that's fair that's definitely fair the last play i just wanted to highlight not an option this week but not, david nofaluma he's he showed some vintage nofo uh from a couple of years back last week and even the week before so Look, he's got other question marks hanging over him, but keep an eye on him because if he holds that spot down, still there around 14, look, there'll, there'll be a fair few super coaches who'll be really tempted. So, Yeah, I mean, look, the issue with that ton that he scored on the weekend, he's already 536k with a low break even. Are you going to pay high fives for someone that could be dropped out of the team uh, you know, on any given week? So... I mean, I love him. I I was made a point of having him every year, year after year. Um, you know, back when he was a mainstay for the Tigers. But look, if he's if his price has got a four in front of it, I'm all over him. But you know, mid to high fives, I start to get a bit leery because that's your um, you know that that you you want premium uh, like that's a Jacob Carraz, that's you know those kind of guys at the same price. So yeah, not for me at the current price, but you know he could turn it around. Yeah, it's just for context. I mean. Marju was 584k when everyone jumped on after, you know, back-to-back monster performances. So, you know, Nofo at his prime is very similar in the wheelhouse, right? Defensive liability, but loves a run, plenty of tackle bites, can offload and can finish as well. And, I mean, that's Greg Marju right now, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's fair. And, uh, I mean, you could nitpick and talk about some job security stuff, but yeah, that that's a valid point. But I mean, Marju is a bit of an outlier, so you know what? It's not the percentage play to look at Nofo, but look, you don't win Supercoach by you know the percentage play every time. So he could be the kind of guy with the ceiling to uh, to really rock you up the ranks. <clears throat> All right, Cowboys Dragons up at Queensland Country Bank Stadium on Saturday. Both the Cows and the Dragons one to seventeen. Who knows what's going on with the Dragons with Anthony Griffin uh, with your Zach Lomaxes, there's rumours today of Jack Bird personally phoning uh, around to different clubs offering his services. Um, so I wonder what his future at the Dragons is. Jack DeBellin, though, um, you know, starting to kick on a little bit. What are your options with the Dragons, mate? Yeah, look, DeBellin, obviously, there's a lot of interest in him. I mean, hard to argue when he's playing 80, 68, 80 and 74 minutes in the last four weeks straight. And, yeah, over that time, he's pumped out 52, 63, 71, and then 91 with an attacking stat in there. But that's a, you know, really, really solid kind of base. He's getting a little bit pricey, uh, similar. It's almost like Corey Horsburgh, right, two weeks ago, fantastic value. Last week, still good value. This week, not sure. But around 13 slash 14 coverage and then just a relatively good buy schedule, dual position, ticks a lot of boxes. Uh, but... Yeah, I think with the uncertainty over the Dragons, I mean, the latest rumour I saw is maybe Jason Riles is going to be taken over by the start of next week. So new coach comes in. Does he change the roles? Does he change the the minutes? Like there's a lot of uncertainty. I think if there weren't better options, or sorry, better is probably not the right word, if there weren't good alternative options and, you you know, you dropped Torhu Harris before, Joey Tarpany, Corey Horsburgh, they all seem a lot safer than someone like a Jack DeBellin. So that's probably where I would lean uh, if you you know had to pick a guy like that, front row forward, second row forward, dual position in a vacuum yeah. Uh, over yeah someone who's got such a massive question mark hanging over his team and his potential role in that team moving forward. 
Yeah, very much so. No, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Cowboys, you know, I, I think it's start, uh, time to start looking at um, you know, what you can get for Val Holmes, given that he's a lock for origin and, you know, there is so much potential for Holmes being 647K. He's been good without being spectacular uh, for the Cowboys and from a super coach option, but you probably want to, you know, make sure that you get him out by round 13 for, for one of the super coach options in the centres. I was looking at that, like you mentioned Val to AJ earlier and I was that's that's exactly one trade I looked at, but then I realized Val's playing the Dragons this week and then he's playing the Tigers next week. And that made me go, Well, can I actually pull the trigger this far out or do I wait till round thirteen? And yeah, maybe just mix it up like that. So look I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I can certainly see the merit in jumping ship now. I do think the Cowboys probably played one of their best games of the season last week. Mm. I don't know if that's the new like trend moving forward. Is it just a once-off for, for the time being? I, I think I'm happy to kind of just wait. But at the same time, obviously, Val didn't go that well, super coach wise despite the team playing well. So, yeah, it's a tough one. I think it's just going to come down to a gut call. But I think we do know once it around 13 hits, he's got to go because he's going to miss a fair bit of footy over the next buy period because obviously playing Origin and also the Cows, because they have a decent buy schedule, he'll miss those games in between. So The only thought would be Val's got a break-even of 122, so if you're worried about your team value, um, that might just tip you over the edge to move out this week. I do want to just really quickly mention Helam Lukey uh, as a bit of a smoky. He's 449k, break-even of 34, coming up for 27, so it didn't look great, but... I mean, that was his first game back after a bit of an injury layoff on top of the fact that he's coming back from an ACL. Having said that, before he got hurt, that 77 and 71 minutes the week before, so in round five, was really quite interesting. So I do think he's worth considering, again, good matchups next two weeks. Looked exponentially better than Nanai did on the right edge. And I think he can offer a lot for the Cowboys moving forward. So, yeah. Uh, consider me really interested in, you know, you could go someone like a Hosking down to Lukey, potentially get similar output, provided obviously Lukey gets to play bigger minutes and free up, you know, over 100K. Look, Todd Payton's not afraid to make a big call. It would be a big call despite Nene's form being off a bit this year as a current kangaroo, World Cup winning kangaroo, um, to to drop in for Lukey. So, yeah. Lukey will be... Uh, a bit, sorry to, to jump in there, but Lukey will end up on the left edge then once Nanai's back. I think the plan was always going to be Lukey and Nanai holding down each edge okay. until Lukey got hurt. So uh, I genuinely feel, yeah, that, I mean, Nanai's going to be missing till round 13 anyway. So worst case scenario, Lukey's covering on the right edge until then and helps you with that first buy round. And, you know, worst case scenario, if Nanai comes back, Lukey's back to the bench, whatever, you mm-hmm. can probably offload him for a profit. Fair, fair, fair. All right, Raiders and Eels, uh, GIO on Saturday. Hopper Wiley's in. Savage has been dropped to 18th man for the Raiders. And, of course, uh, Jake Arthur at seven with uh, Mitchell Moses out. It's a funny one. Uh, most of the interest for Parramatta uh, from a super coach perspective is tied into the, that back row and what the rotations are along with uh, Dillbags, mate. So, I mean, are there any kind of non-obvious para selections given they play 13? I don't think obvious. Uh, I, I do think Ryan Madison, even though he's coming off the bench, he played 52 minutes but scored 78 last week and it's just absolutely monstrous work rate. 
So whether he's off the bench playing 80 on an edge or starting at lock or whatever, Mano's just, he's got such a prominent role in this Eels team and his work rate is so good when he plays in the middle that I think he's still a genuine option. He costs an arm and a leg though. So I think you may as well just wait until round 13. Make sure he's definitely not playing Origin and then you can jump on if you have to. Yeah, I mean, you you make a really good point about Crichton, Angus Crichton with... You know, I, I kind of have him penciled in already uh, for New South Wales. But if he's not, is there any scenario in which both Crichton and Madison, you know, or Madison aren't in the side? Because again, I mean, this is foreign to us as Queensland supporters that Queensland has all the all the depth, you know, in the forwards now, and it's New South Wales that are really struggling, particularly on that edge. I mean, they're kind of running out of names at this point, aren't they? Yeah, it's a tough one because obviously Madison, you know, he has played and. I mean, he only got the one shot. So does he get a, another chance or is he just, you know, is he already written off as an origin option for the Blues? I, I generally don't know. But, yeah, look, he's he's obviously in really good form, I, I think, not just for Supercoach, but he's like he's having genuine impact on the field. So, I yeah, I just don't think it's a non-zero chance that he's not playing round 13 because he's playing for the Blues instead. So for me, at that price tag, I'm happy to just wait. He's not going to go anywhere up or down really because he's matching his output. It's going to be painful if you pay up that much cash for a guy who doesn't end up playing you know, the crucial buy rounds that you wanted him for, basically. Moses, obviously a hold. I mean, we're not that panicky, right? If you traded him in this week you know, for the one week out, again, you, obviously there's always going to be concerns around a Category 1 concussion. But um, you know, given the coaches who made the call to move, particularly Cleary out, don't kind of reverse course that'd be two wasted trades wouldn't it yes except what i will say is that when you say it's one week out but if you look at the next four weeks as a block that's you know two weeks he's gonna not play so he won't play around 11 won't play around 14 because they're on the buy that round so he will play around 12 against the bunnies and then round 13 against the cowboys again assuming there's no concussion you know concerns or anything like that ongoing so look i like I, I agree he's probably a hold, but I'm just saying there it probably is an argument that could be mounted if you wanted to jump off straight away because, yeah, again, you were hopeful of a good score against the Titans and against the Raiders, and then you probably expected a lower score against the Bunnies and then, yeah, obviously a decent score against the Cowboys in the round 13 bye. So, you know, not all of those things are going to happen now because of what's, what's available for Moses. Yeah, and uh, with Canberra, obviously Tarpanay and Horsburgh similarly priced. They're both dual second row, front row forwards. I, I tend to think Tarpanay's obviously got the pedigree and is the slightly more premium option there. But given that they play around 13, uh, I don't think you can go wrong with either. Okay, Knights-Titans, uh, first of the Sunday games. Crossland is in at nine and Adam Elliott is on the interchange for his first game back for the year. Titans essentially 1-17 to as well. Uh, Titans... Showed a bit of backbone at Magic Round. Yeah, look, they were really good. And I don't think that's, uh, I mean, so much of that is kind of tied to, I think, Kieran Foran being there and just being really solid rock for them. But I feel like Tanner Boyd had one of his better games as well. And as, as much as it probably pains you to admit it, that he has looked a lot more settled the last yeah. couple of weeks. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just taking the dumb decisions out of his game, right? He always like just boneheaded stuff. So if he just did the solid things that you need from a halfback to allow Foran to create, they do have other creative players in the side, then that's fine. 
it's just Tannerboyd's mistake ratio way, way, way too high. That's a fair call. Dave Fafita is obviously hurting me big time, but he is so expensive right now. And I mean, do we just assume he's locked in for Queensland? He wasn't locked in last year, but his forms, I, I feel, significantly better than this time. I, I think he's the perfect guy to play kind of half hour off the bench if he's not starting. You know, if Billy Slater wants to go with a Kafusi Capewell, you know, type as starting edges and for Fita to, to spell them all. But he's also shown that, you know, he's got the stamina to play the full 80 at a high level. So, yeah, don't don't bank on for Fita uh, being available for the big buy rounds. I guess the question is if it comes down to, you know, if he's there and he's like, let's say 850K, do you offload him? because you think you could use that money better over the buy period or do you hold him because he's probably, you know, hopefully just getting that half hour off the bench, probably still can come back and play for the Titans even if he doesn't play the full 80 or whatever. If it's if it's if he's named on the interchange, then I'll definitely hold. If he's named to start, then at least it's it's a thought to cross my mind, but I mean, you know, if you want to average out what Fafita is going to score throughout the origin period, even with one or two less games than, than a replacement that you might have there. I mean, he's averaging 84 and that's almost looking like he's kind of floor uh, the way he's playing, you know, you know with the, all the tackle bus back and, you know, running off four and uh, with all the opportunities that brings. So yeah, look, he's the guy that I think will be round one to, to round 27 in my side. I can't see him. It's crazy. He's got a three-round average of 99.3 and a five-round average of 91.2. And I haven't had him for the last five rounds because I sold him. <laughs> so I've, I'm actually surprised like I've managed to actually still climb up the ranks despite not having Fafita last five weeks. True, true. Over on the night side, mate, um, you know, personal to my side, I'm looking at Marju or Lockie Miller uh, as someone to bring in as a, as a premium price center wing that will play 13. Do you have a preference, Marju or Miller? It'd be Miller for me. It's just that dual position. Fullback is, you know, not that premium position. It might be even a valid strategy to get a couple more of these dual position guys to kind of rotate using them as the second fullback spot once, say, you know, if you've got a buller there, once he maxes out, you can, you know, flick him up and down. I, yeah, so Miller's definitely on my radar as well. I had initially really closely penciled him into my team this round. But then, hey, Alex Johnston staring at me there for a little bit cheaper and my money can only stretch so far because... And he flutters his eyelashes at you and all of a sudden it's happened. All those beers you were shouting at Magic Round, mate. <laughs> well, that, that's what Ronnie Molotalo did to me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Alex Johnston looking at me from my potential trade-ins there and, yeah, it's I'm just like, I've got Latrell and Cody screaming at me going, look, just get AJ in. We can make a good triple threat there. <laughs> So. Uh, excellent. Brought to you by Powers Bitter. Uh, last game of the round, Seagulls and Sharks. Uh, hard to think that the Sharks will play that badly again because they were absolutely belted by the Dolphins and, gee, it was good to watch. Um, they're basically <laughs> 1-17. to Finucane and McInnes are swapping spots uh, from lock to interchange there. And uh, the Seagulls are 1-17 to as well. Massive concerns over Turbo. For the people that held, I mean, what's the deal? What are you doing? I mean, great score, all things considered. A couple of unicorns in the mix there, but you'd be really happy with the money actually put out there super coach wise compared to what you saw on the field because it did not look great. Watching him live, it just, yeah, it. I think it just further confirmed my, my trade out of him uh, the week before. So um, obviously the 82 would have been nice, but yeah, just 
it, it didn't look great. So I think the problem is, is he, he's he's moving like Greg Inglis did in the last couple of years of Inglis's career. And if I was a Manly fan, that would be a huge worry to me. I think that's a really good point because the thing with Inglis, it's a it's a really apt comparison because Inglis still got it done for Supercoach, but he wasn't quite elite. Mm. So he averaged quite well, but there were guys doing it better than him. But because he's still, you know, freakish talent, can read the game really well and knew where to be when his body could get him there, he'd still do the right thing. So I'm not quite putting Tommy into that basket because you know, a lot of his nickels probably can be overcome. It's just it's going to take time for him to do that. I do think this close to the origin with him, I mean, even potentially not playing and, and the price tag where he's at, it might even be just worth just persevering. If he becomes available in round 13, I think a lot of people will jump on because they don't want to be without Turbo playing round 13 if that's the case. So, yeah, I almost feel like it's too close and he's a decent price and the break-even's manageable now. Yeah, I, I just think the ceiling's gone. Unless they're going to shut him down for a few weeks to try and help him get his body right, they're, they're basically putting him together with sticky tape uh, at the moment. And again, he knocked out 92, to be fair. I do, like you, think there are a few unicorns in there. But, yeah, clearly watching, he's not uh, he's not passing the eye test. But, mate, we've been crapping on about teams for way too long. Um, let's get to the group comp. Yep. So thanks again to our friends at Tyler Made, who stand for excellence in wall and floor tiles. We have a new leader. It's Alan, the coach of the Smug Villains, who's in 15th. So Alan is in pole position now for the $500 cash overall prize. Uh, that would be 1000 if you were a champ as well. And thanks to our friends at RugbyLeagueFantasyPro.com. They are putting up additional prizes there. Second to fourth, you can get a 2024 Platinum subscription. That includes all access to all four of their fantasy apps, including Supercoach Pro, Fantasy Pro, DraftStars Pro, and Hunter Pro. I did say four fantasy apps there, Joe. And so that's valued at 90 bucks each for those prizes. Fifth to 10th in the group will receive a $30 voucher to use in 2024, which basically covers the cost of Supercoach Pro. Or you can apply that to any of the other subscription packages as well. So yeah, rugbyleaguefantasypro.com. Check it out. You can see more about what is offered. And we do want to thank Adrian and the team at Rugby League Fantasy Pro again for their generosity and sponsoring to these additional prizes for our group comp it was, it was a big week mate <laughs> it is and uh, i just think i don't know I'm, I'm feeling a bit of the post magic round fatigue for post magic round blues so it's a monster effort from both of us to get up for this podcast even though we do say so ourselves absolutely yeah we're gonna run it back we're gonna run it back uh so yeah shout out to the champs uh, it was great to hang out f- with a bunch of yous on the weekend uh great catch up as always so thank you for your support if you're not sure what that entails, www.patreon.com slash supercoachchampions. You can have a look at what's offered with the various tiers uh, for our Patreon. But yeah, uh, it's it's good fun. Uh, we do appreciate all the champs for helping us out. Otherwise, uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode. So we'll catch you again soon. Love you all. So.